Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast. I have Nikki V with me once again. How you doing, Nick? It's good to be back, Frank. Ah, Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Good to have you, Nicholas. So what we're going to do, we're going to pick up from earlier episodes that we have done together. Wherein people who listen to the podcast sent in questions. And so we will do our best to answer your questions. And we've done very little preparation. We had lunch together not too long ago. I think we talked about two or three of them yep. in a very shallow way. And now digestion has set in, so there's less <laughs> oxygen in the brain. And uh, we'll just see where this goes. And Lord willing, some, some good things will come out of it. And, and those of you who are listening will benefit. I guess we'll start out with the first question that we agreed to answer. And that is, how should an insurgent approach the Bible? And by that... They're talking about someone who has received the gospel of the kingdom, is learning how to live in the kingdom of God. How then ought we to read the Bible, approach the Bible, use the Bible, use the scriptures, etc.? It's a big question. It's a huge question, and it's a good question. There were other parts of this question that I answered elsewhere, and so if you're new to the podcast or my work, there's an article on my blog entitled, why the Bible is the Word of God, and then there's a follow-up video about the authority of Scripture. What does that mean exactly? How is the Scripture authoritative? Is it authoritative? The historicity of Scripture, is it historical? Is it reliable? Can we trust it? And then, of course, questions about the so-called errors and mistakes that are in Scripture. So there's a video on that. There's an article. But I thought in this episode we would mainly focus on the actual reading and interacting with scripture wherein we could know the Lord better as the king of the kingdom, live in the kingdom of God more successfully, more effectively, bear fruit for the kingdom, etc., etc. Basically, how do we approach scripture as, as individuals and then also as people who are part of a believing community? Well, that's my introduction. I'm going to throw the carpet out to you, Nicholas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this is a huge question and um, probably one that we won't exhaust here. I think it's one of those things that you probably continue to revisit, attempt to address, you know, periodically throughout the rest of your life. But there are saints who have gone before us who have learned or been shown in some way ways of handling the scripture Um, that I think, you know, listeners to this podcast are probably already overly familiar with crack open your Bible and study, read it and Mm -hmm. study it and have kind of worn those paths out in terms of experiencing, you know, the kind of spiritual growth or the intimacy with the Lord that they're looking for. Uh, There's certainly a place for that, but just opening your Bible and reading your Bible is not going to meet all of your spiritual needs. Right. 
Because really the question is then how do you do that in a way where you're actually encountering the God of the Scripture, where you're encountering the Holy Spirit who inspired it? Yes. Yeah, and it comes back to, uh, I guess, and I know you touched on this in in the article that you recently wrote, how do I use the written word to encounter the living word? Yes, that really is the question. Yeah. And it certainly can be done, and many saints through the ages have uh, have left us a pretty rich heritage of how to go about doing that. Flies under a number of different flags, uh, some of which I'm less familiar with than others, um, just based on the experiences that I've had. But one of the things that comes to my mind just here at the front is just this idea of praying the scriptures or meditating on the scriptures. I certainly think that kingdom dwellers, kingdom livers, people who are uh, seeking the kingdom and living in the kingdom are going to be very interested in the king. But the scriptures Mm -hmm. can certainly be useful, incredibly useful tool to interact with the king. And praying scripture is certainly one of those things that we can do. When I come to the Bible, I'm looking to hear from the Lord. I want to hear him speak. I also want to find him in the situation that I'm in, whatever that is in life. So I will look to scripture to to find Christ in the place where I'm at. And then also, too, I want to learn more about him, how he works, how he operates, and I want to be able to encounter him. So there's a number of ways that I do that. I look at him as tools in the toolbox, so to speak. It's kind of like, you know, Scripture is, is often referred to as food. And so is Christ is referred to as food, right? We have the milk of the Word. We have the meat of the Word. And Jesus had all these metaphors to describe himself as being edible, as being consumable. And so when I think of it that way, you know, you have different utensils. You've got spoons and forks and knives and, and so forth. And so when I'm, when I'm reading the Bible, parts of it, one thing I don't do... I may have done on a few occasions is is I don't approach it like a Ouija board you know where (laughs) I give you an example I have a friend who's telling me you know what you want to do is you want to pick the month and the day and then just open the Bible wherever you open to so let's say what is today's February 1st so that's 2-1 right so now I'm going to open the Bible and if I hit the book of Daniel I'm going to go to 2-1 Daniel chapter oh, 2 verse wow. 1. Wow. Okay. Then I'll That's go to, to Romans me. chapter 2 verse 1. And so not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> the Bible wasn't meant to be consumed like a Ouija board where you're trying to piece Is there together right with that. <laughs> <laughs> trying to piece together through random openings the voice of God. No, the 66 books of the Bible were written to communities They were written to God's people in different settings, and they all had a message, and that message was embedded in a narrative. So before we get into like specific ways of using scripture, I kind of want to back up and and be more general in how I view it. All right, so we have 66 books in the Bible, and in the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, which is our Old Testament, was divided up into three parts. You had the law, which is the five books of Moses, right, the Pentateuch. Then you had the prophets, and then you had what was called the writings, or the wisdom literature. So Psalms and Job and Song of Solomon, that's the writings. The prophets included not only the major prophets, the minor prophets, but it also included the history books, Chronicles, Kings, etc. 
right? So you had those three parts, law, which is also called Torah, prophets, and then writings. And when Jesus is speaking about the scriptures, particularly in Luke, he mentions all three of those. He'll say in Moses, he's talking about the law. He'll say the prophets. And then sometimes he'll say the Psalms. The Psalms are the largest book of the writings, so that includes all the writings. So he's talking about the three parts. And then he says, they all speak of me. Let me show you myself in these three parts. Mm -hmm. So if we step back from that and we ask, okay, how is Christ revealed in those three parts to be general and kind of summarize it? In the law... He is the embodiment of the Torah. He is the law of God embodied in human flesh. So everything he did was the perfect moral law, right? He lived that. And it's unmovable and it's the foundation of our lives as Christians. You know, Jesus talked about you can build your house in the sand or the rock. If you build on the rock, you're building it on me and and what I say. So that, that gives us a hint of Christ as the law and the lawgiver. He's the new Moses, right? Then you have the other part of the Bible, and that's the Old Testament, and that's the prophets. And he, of course, is the prophet, right? He was the prophet who was foretold. And the the prophets were this strange creature that gave the present word of the Lord for the moment, and it often disrupted wrong interpretations of the Torah. So you have the Torah, which doesn't move, but often our interpretations of the Torah are misapplied or, or misappropriated. And that's where the prophet comes in and brings us back to the original meaning of what the Torah is. And so in the capacity of the prophet, that's what Jesus does. He's constantly overturning, when he was on earth in the flesh, he's overturning the interpretation of the law that the Jewish leaders had. But he's doing that in our lives too, because we often will read the scripture in a way that misappropriates it. And so when Christ through the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and gives us revelation or insight or this unveiling, it often overturns what we thought we knew or what we were taught or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that prophetic. Yeah. It's like a corrective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then he's also the embodiment of the wisdom literature. He is wisdom as Paul calls him in 1 Corinthians. He's the wisdom of God. He is the sage. And so he's the embodiment of all the Psalms, all the wisdom that's in Proverbs. He embodies that. He's the new Solomon. You know, he's greater than Solomon, right? And so what the wisdom literature does, it doesn't ask the question, is this right or wrong, which is the function of the law. And it doesn't ask the question, what's the Lord saying right now, which is the function of the prophets. The wisdom literature asks a different question. Is this wise or is this foolish? And I think as Christians, we often lack wisdom because we're looking at, is this good or bad? Is this right or wrong? Where wisdom asks a different question. Is this foolish or is it wise? And so Christ is wisdom. Bring that over to the New Testament. Jesus embodies those three parts of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant writings. But he's also revealed to us all throughout the New Testament as those three aspects. He's the new Moses. He's the new Solomon. He is the prophet as well. So I'm looking to hear what's the Lord saying to me now. I'm looking for his wisdom in the situations that I'm in in my life. And I'm also looking to find out what is really his foundational personality and the, those unmovable values that you know are always sustained in his life because that's what character is he's building his own personality and his character into us 
so those three aspects come through in the New Testament. So whenever I'm looking at Scripture, I'm looking to find Jesus. I'm looking to find him in those three ways, especially as it pertains to applying him in my own life and bringing him into my life and getting caught up in that new life that he is because he's still living. He's still alive. The Jesus of the Gospels is still living today. And what the Christian life really is, it's getting caught up into that life and bringing it right here where we live. And then right at this moment, we're in Jacksonville, Florida. What Christian growth is, it's being caught up in the life of God and bringing it right into a hotel room in Jacksonville, Florida. That's, that's what it is. And so when I'm looking at scripture, that's who I'm looking for. And that's what I'm looking for. For me, that's sort of the big picture, the governing motivation of what I'm searching for. And then that leads to some of the other tools. Well, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I see even that kind of structure, that format. Um, so I'm specifically thinking of Paul's letters, where even if he's bringing his letters kind of contain a presentation of the standard, which mm -hmm. is Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a corrective, mm -hmm. that prophetic part to come in, it comes in after the standard has been represented again mm -hmm. to whichever local community of believers he's writing to and then the final parts of his letters typically embody that wisdom of in light of yes. this is who Jesus is and in light of the corrective I just brought to you let very XYZ. practical it comes it becomes very practical mm. so actually see Paul's, a, a lot of the structure in, in New Testament epistles following exactly how you just described mm. the Old Testament, mm. which of course is happening over a much <laughs> longer period of time, but you see God kind of addressing Israel the same way. There's a presentation of the standard, mm -hmm. and, and of course we look at that and you can, sometimes you can't see the, the forest for the trees, all you see is the trees and you see a bunch of different mm. laws and stuff, but no that's that's a that's a description of a person yes amen um so the standard was presented to israel right at the beginning they didn't know it was a person and jesus went back and explained that to a lot of guys in the new testament um thinking of two guys that he took a walk with down the road one time and went through everything and explained that to him so i see the pattern that you're talking about is there and it's often there even in the direct interaction that we might have spiritually with the Lord that um, that presentation of himself to us again afresh over and over and over again mm. uh, but you know kind of lining all that up with the original question which was if we're an insurgent if we're a kingdom dweller how do we use the scripture and the answer is we use it in a number of different ways you know one of the ways that we're talking about was in terms of experiencing an intimacy with the Lord and of course that's one way there are multiple ways to use the scripture and I know you've said this many times what whatever ways we are using you can bet your bottom dollar they're gonna wear out mm -hmm. and you'll need to switch gears mm -hmm. and try something else which is why I think we have multiple mm. tools available to us for how do we approach the scripture and it depends what you're doing when you open it up. If you're in a pinch and you're needing wisdom, then you're going to approach it in one way. If you're, if everything's great and you're wanting to spend some time with the Lord and you're going to have a, a, a different approach to mm. what you're doing when you crack open the Bible and 
it's like being in a relationship with another person. Imagine that. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And that can get stale as well, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly if it's a romantic relationship. And so one is pressed to find new ways, fresh ways of interacting with them. One of the people who I've mentioned on this podcast before, and I guess over the last seven months, I've been reading a steady diet of Frank Laubach. The more I learn about him, the more I realize how many books he actually wrote. I was reading recently a little biography of his, and apparently he wrote, when he was living, somewhere around 100 titles, which is crazy. I had no uh, idea. I've only found about maybe 20 or 30 online, most of which are out of print. But I've been going through his work, and what I really find very interesting, and he was not the first person I came across these particular approaches but he certainly seems to be one of the key modern figures who is noted for kind of originating a lot of this for the 20th and 21st century. And it has to do with coming to the scripture with a different perspective and interacting with it using a different lens, okay? For example, he taught all of these ways and He was a missionary in the Philippines, and the communities that he was a part of and had started actually did this together. But one of them is what you mentioned, is taking the simple scripture, could be a letter of Paul, something in the Psalms, it could be most any passage that that I would call timeless rather than time-bound. Meaning, you know, Paul talks about him rebuking Peter to his face. I mean, that's not something you really want to turn into a prayer. (laughs) It doesn't have a whole lot to do with what's going on now. But something like Galatians 2.20, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. Or or Romans 8 is a beautiful passage to turn into a prayer. And it's simply taking what's written and uttering it to God in your own words, you know. It's not something complicated. You don't have to be trained on how to do it. I think it's very intuitive to a Christian to just take Scripture, and it's kind of goes a step beyond meditating. Right. You know, meditating is mostly the mind kind of yeah, turning. No, I think it's good that you make that distinction because I think sometimes people substitute meditating on the Scripture mm-hmm. for what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. which is, is mm-hmm. different. It is a step beyond just meditating on a, mm-hmm. on a passage of Scripture. Yeah, so for example, in Colossians chapter 1, you have that very high description of Jesus Christ, you know, the firstborn of all creation, the image of the invisible God, and so on and so forth. Well, to turn that into a prayer is very simple. Lord, you are the visible image of the invisible God, you know. You are the firstborn of all creation. You are, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so you're just taking Paul's words, for example, out of Colossians, and you're turning them as a utterance to the Lord between you and him. But Lawbuck also went a step further. and He said that you could also take the scripture, and this is something he practiced himself. He was a man very close to the Lord, impressively so. But you can, you can read it in such a way where you're hearing God speak it to you. So therefore, instead of taking the first chapter of Colossians and praying it, Lord, you are the visible image of the invisible God. Lord, you are the firstborn of all creation. Lord, you are all of these things. Now you're hearing him speak. You're hearing the Lord Jesus. You're furnishing the Lord Jesus with a voice. I am 
the visible image of the invisible God. All of my Father's fullness dwells in me, and my Father was pleased to have that fullness dwell in me. So that's an example. So now you're giving the Lord a voice, and you're not violating the Scripture by doing this. You're not breaking it. You're not changing it. I mean, we're not writing new Scripture here. You're simply approaching it in a way where you are praying it to the Lord, and then the Lord is speaking it to you. And then he did something else, which I I really appreciated, and other people have done this since, so I found. But at some point in his spiritual journey, he began to read the Gospels, which contain the story of Jesus, in the first person, as if Jesus was speaking the story himself. And he wrote a book many years ago called The Autobiography of Jesus Christ, in which he took the Gospels and he put it in the first person. So, you know, when the scripture says, and he went to Jerusalem and on his way from Bethany, he saw a fig tree. Well, what Laubach did is he put it in the words of Christ. He put it on the lips of Jesus. I left to go to Jerusalem early in the morning and I saw a fig tree and I checked it and inspected it. There were no figs on it, so I cursed it, you see? And now... You're looking at it and you're hearing it from a totally different perspective. And he did this with the community that he was working with, and he talked about how heavenly it was. It was almost as if they were elevated in an experiential way to be in Christ, because here the scripture is inspired, but they're looking at it and they're hearing it from a different lens. And many years later, very recently, some years back, uh, Robert Mounts, who's one of the premier New Testament scholars of our time, he's one of the guys that was on many of the boards that translate the Bible. You'll find his name on many of them. He did work for many different translations that we have today, and he wrote a book entitled Jesus in His Own Words. And what he did with that is he took all the Gospels and he created a harmony of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, put them all in their chronological order, sequence, as he understood it, and then he put it all on the lips of Jesus in the first person. So Jesus is telling his own story. I did an interview. There's a whole interview that I did with him. He is, at the time of this podcast, he's over 95 years old. I don't know if he's still alive. I talked to him about a year ago. He's getting up there. pushing 100. But I asked him, I said, well, have you ever heard of Frank Laubach? And I mentioned some other people who had done similar work, and he never heard of any of them. He kind of did this independently. Yeah. That's remarkable. But Jesus in his own words is a very fascinating rearrangement, so to speak, of the Gospels. We have a harmony of the Gospels going way back in many, many centuries ago. But to put it on the lips of Jesus in the first person. Again, it just gives you a fresh perspective. Mm -hmm. This is not to replace the Bible as we have it today. Mm -hmm. It's not to say, read it in these ways, or pray it all the time, or hear God speak to it directly through the words of Scripture all the time. These are just different ways you can approach the Scripture, and it tends to break the white noise that sometimes we face when we open the pages of the Bible and they're blank. Amen. That's good. Um, yeah, and I was going to say that. I, I think it's important because when, when, when there's something new like this, it can be perhaps a bit disconcerting to some of your listeners. Like, are we, what are we doing to the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing anything to it. I think a lot of times one, one of the 
problems we have that creeps in unnoticed is though you know if we just crack open the bible and read it and we're hoping something mm. wonderful is going to happen and then it doesn't um i think we fall into this role of just being an observer we're reading the bible we're reading about what jesus did and said to other people and other people are saying and mm. interacting with jesus we're not we're just reading about all these other people who did and what he did in response and mm. things like that. And I think what we're trying to say here is uh, whether it be a harmonized gospel version like Mounts's or Johnston Cheney or, or mm-hmm. Frank Lawbach's, mm-hmm. or whether you whether you take a, a passage of scripture and I, and I just want to emphasize again. Taking a passage of scripture and praying it does not work with just any passage of scripture. Yeah. There are clearly and you if you practice this you'll get better at picking out which scriptures really work for this kind of a thing because you know there's a lot of practical things in paul's letters or like the book of acts a lot of that's not really going to work for this but psalm 23 is going to work beautifully Mm -hmm. uh to hear the lord speak psalm 23 to you directly can be revolutionary and i think it's because part of what's happening is when you turn the scripture in this way you're moving from being kind of a static observer and listener to participating whether it's being on the receiving end or whether you're saying something directly to the lord It kind of moves you from an observer's role into a participant's role, and that can change what you're touching spiritually in a pretty dramatic way. Mm. And so that's part of the motivation why why we're even encouraging you to do this. We're not trying to change the scripture at all. We're just trying to handle it in a way that kind of inserts us more actively. And, um, you know, having some of what Paul referred to in Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1, that fellowship of the Father and Son. And what better and safer way to do that than with using Scripture rather than mm-hmm. trying to conjure up your own thoughts, your own words, your own language. I mean, you certainly can do that, but you're in a much safer riverbed if you're having that kind of a dialogue or if you're on the receiving end of that kind of dialogue the way Lobach talks about and you're using scripture, it's much more faith. You're going. You're you're more likely to have a much more faithful yeah. stream of communication back and forth if you're doing it within the scripture than if you're just trying to come up with stuff to say to the Lord on your own. The words of scripture are inspired, right. so that's what you're using. That's what you're handling. That's what you're using in your approach. The very inspired words yes. of God. Yes. Yeah, there's another another approach that that's along these same lines, and that would be to. And by the way, none of this that we're sharing is something brand new, and certainly not things that you know we have uncovered, or I have uncovered, or Nicholas has uncovered ourselves. A lot of this goes back centuries. The praying, the turning the scripture into prayer, uttering the words of scripture as a prayer, that as well goes back many many centuries. But another approach is to take a story in the Gospels where Jesus is healing someone or he's delivering someone or he is doing something dramatic and showing his mercy. Say, for example, a passage in John 8 where a woman is, is taken 
and caught in the act of adultery and how the Lord handles that. It's to put yourself in that situation. It's to put yourself in that story and use your imagination. Tozer talked about sanctified imagination and use your imagination to see Jesus interacting with you in that story. And that could be a very powerful experience to do that when you do that. The other thing I wanted to say is I think it's important too, and and this I've found to be true in my own experience, to use different translations of the Bible Mm. when you're reading Scripture, when you're meditating on it, when you're ruminating over it, or even when you're praying it. I use many different translations of the Bible for different things, and oftentimes I'll rotate. If, If I've been reading one translation for a while, I'll switch to another. And some translations are noted for their readability and their understandability, like the New Living Translation is great for that in many places. Very clear in many texts. The Message by Peterson in many places is very good to read in an understandable way. But then if you want to get down to the literal, accurate meaning of the original as best we can tell, then you have things like the New American Standard which is very close. It's a very literal translation. The ESV is a good one. I still love the King James because of its poetic language. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And the New King James Version is a good one. But it doesn't hurt to switch translations in your reading and your meditating and your praying. And going back to what you said, you can't really use any scripture in a profitable way where you're going to receive spiritual nourishment by praying it so what I do is I divide it in between, this is the language I use, is timeless passages of Scripture versus time-bound. So the earlier example I gave about, I rebuke Peter to his face, that's time-bound. That's not good for turning into prayer or, you know. If you can turn that into prayer, <laughs> you have got something going on. <laughs> turning it into a prayer where you're actually interacting and connecting with the Lord. That's But then there are the timeless passages, Psalm 23, for example, timeless. And uh, one of the exercises I've been doing over the past few months is reading two portions of Scripture every day. I have missed days, and actually I'm switching gears now because this is starting to wear out for me. Mm. But for a long time, I was reading Psalm 23 meditatively and prayerfully, which means I would read it slowly, think about it, and then I would also turn it into a prayer. And sometimes I would let the Lord speak to me through it. You know, I am your shepherd. Right. I'm the greatest shepherd there is. There's none greater than me. And because I am your shepherd, you have everything you need. And you will have everything you need. That's an example of furnishing the Lord with a voice through Psalm 23. But I've also used many different translations. And I've discovered that when you use different translations it often throws fresh light Mm -hmm. on familiar words just because of the angle it's coming from and then the other passage is the lord's prayer in matthew 6 and taking the lord's prayer i mean obviously it's a prayer right so you can pray it as it is or you can also expand it Uh, let your kingdom come lord in my life now let your rule let your reign be manifested in my life and in the life of fill in the blank, you know, loved ones, friends, people you may be praying for. Let your will be done in my life today. Let your will be done in fill in the blank, their lives today. So I found great profit in doing that. uh, But again, I came to a place where, okay, this is getting tiresome. This is getting old. 
it's losing its vibrancy. So now I'm going to do something else mm-hmm. for my devotional time with the Lord. Again, switch things up. If something gets old and boring and tired, I don't know about you, man, but I got to let go of it, you know, and I'll yeah. find something else to, to look at. And whether it's go through the Proverbs, go through the Psalms, go through the Gospels, take one of Paul's epistles and look at it through one of these approaches. And there are many more, but these are just some examples. Yes. Yeah, the Gospel of John is almost entirely in play for what we're talking about. There's um, just about everywhere you turn in there, you you can take almost anything in the, in John's Gospel and use it for this type of uh, praying the scripture that we're talking about. So there's there's more than enough to keep you going for a long time in terms of the timeless passages that Frank uh, is referring to. And, I, you know, again, I just kind of want to underscore a point you made, which was I'm finding incredible value right now in using multiple translations because we do get over-familiarized with our favorite translations of the Bible, and um, they can kind of lose their edge a little bit. And sometimes just another wording. You can do all this and still stay away from all of the translation wars yeah. that are going on. That is a relatively fruitless battle. We're not talking about trying to change the meaning Mm-hmm. of the intended Word of God. We're talking about how can I utilize these passages to fellowship with my Lord, to have some intimacy with the Lord, to get some spiritual nourishment. So it's really the spirit of these passages that matters many times more than the precise wording, which is why you can change the wording a bit and pray them or, mm-hmm. or have the Lord speak them to you or you speak them to the Lord because you're still maintaining the integrity of the spirit of the passage and sometimes using a different translation and just hearing it articulated differently can open up a whole new vista for you. It really can. And by the way, what we're talking about needs to be done out loud with your spoken voice. I think it's important Mm. that you're not sitting there doing this silently in your head. Mm. Um, Your ears need to hear these things being said just like in a real relationship in a real conversation here on earth you'd be hearing them in that capacity so i think there's an added measure of value to doing this out loud hearing these these things being spoken to you or you speaking these things out loud to the lord that's not to suggest that all of our prayers to god must be audible spoken out but you're talking about taking the bible itself the scriptures and turning them into a prayer hearing the lord speak to you right through them and i totally agree with that in fact the ancients they did not read silently they read out loud so when you see philip encountering the eunuch he's reading out loud right you know there's value in that there's great value in that another thing that i wanted to point out too and that is that it's so important to understand for understanding a book of the Bible or particularly when it comes to the New Testament and particularly the epistles which is a favorite for many you know the letters of Paul is to understand the historical context is to understand the backdrop the background and I talked about this in that video how is the Bible authoritative accurate and reliable in more detail but because the Bible has been versified and it it turned into chapters and verses, or it was pieced together in chapters and verses very late 
in the game. We're talking about thousands of years after it was written. Mm -hmm. Before that, there were no verses, there were no chapters. Like 1500s, right, or something? Well, the 1500s, yeah, came the verses. verses. Yeah, came the verses, the chapters were before that. But it's caused us to suffer from versitis, where we take the Bible not as a whole, but in pieces. And there's always a danger in that because the intended meaning, what the author intended, say if it's Paul or Peter or Jude or whoever it is, is totally lost when we do that. So there, there's a danger in not understanding the, the context, at least some of it. You don't have to be an expert on it, but there's enough material out there to tell you who Paul was writing to when he penned First Thessalonians, for example. Where was he? Who were the Thessalonians? What were they dealing with? What was Paul thinking and feeling? You know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, because what tends to happen is, and we've been taught this through our traditions as Christians, is to kind of pull out that verse we like lift it right out of its context. It's a great refrigerator verse for us to remember. And often, not always, but often that verse of Scripture is outside of its context. It doesn't mean what we think it means, right? Right. And so in the sense, what we're doing is we're misappropriating God's Word. By the way, if somebody got offended that I called the Scriptures God's Word, then read that article. It is a defense to every person who has been skewered and excoriated for calling the Scriptures the Word of God. But we are on good footing, aren't we, Nicholas? Yes, because yes. Jesus himself called the Scriptures yes. the Word of God. Well, yeah, we're just not buying into the false dichotomy of having to choose between Jesus <laughs> being the Word of God or the Bible being the Word of God. It is possible that they both can be the Word of God, and so we're going with that. If you want to say the words of God and the Word of yes. God, that's fine. The written Word of God and the incarnated Word of God. We would appreciate it if no one rains damnation on us because we disagree about the term, yeah. the Word of God. Yeah, it's just funny how Christians will disagree over all sorts of things and oftentimes meaningless things. Or The issue is rooted in semantics. A lot of times semantics are the problems these days. We're exposed to so much information and so many thoughts that... Uh, Somebody takes issue with a word, and the next thing you know, we've got World War Five. <laughs> so, uh, I I just wanted to comment on what you just said. Yeah, context. Kingdom people are people who handle the scriptures in context. Um, there's more integrity to doing that because the reality is, if you're going to cherry pick verses, and we all know this already, but if you're going to cherry pick verses, you can condone anything that you want to condone anything and somebody who is living in the totality of the kingdom or seeking to live in the totality of of kingdom life and the gospel of the kingdom is going to have some measure of constraint in terms of handling the scriptures by the context in which they were originally written right and and i think like frank said it's not critical that you know every last bit of historical information about the background of a letter, I enjoy that. So I spend a lot of time getting the context, um, particularly of Paul's letters. And some, some of them are a little more difficult than others. And like Peter's backgrounds, tough, tougher to get sometimes. But, but we should be constrained to some degree by the author's original intent. And while there are things that we can pull out that are so timeless and so eternal that even if we isolate them mm -hmm. into a single verse, 
we don't do damage to them because they just transcend Mm -hmm. even the original circumstances they were written in. There's a whole lot more that we can do a great deal of damage with, both to our own spiritual walk and our own perception and other people um, when we pull verses out of context and uh, kind of wield them as we will to our advantage Mm -hmm. or to to buttress our agenda. We don't want to be people who, uh, you know, are fortifying our agendas and our mindsets at all costs, including the integrity of the scripture. So, yeah, how how does an insurgent handle scripture? Um, Well, hopefully with a lot of integrity and honesty and context is a big part of uh, keeping within those parameters. Yeah, amen to that. Another tool in the tool chest when it comes to approaching Scripture is to take the words of the Bible and turn them into a song. And one does not have to be musically inclined to do that. You know, we all have a sense of harmony. We all have a sense of rhythm. We all can, even if it's awkward, right, take a passage and just sing it to the Lord. I've known of people who have made this into sort of an art form, and they're not musically inclined either. Mm. But they have testified that it has brought them into a greater intimacy with Christ than many other things that they have ever done. It's just to take a passage of Scripture, something that's timeless, and just begin to sing it. Mm. Just your own melody. Make it up. That's yet another utensil that you can use as you approach Scripture as a kingdom citizen. To kind of conclude this, I would put it this way. The scriptures are inspired by God. The scriptures are meant to reveal, witness to, testify to, show us Christ. Therefore, when I approach the scripture, I am seeking to read it with the inspiration. I'm seeking to interact with or tap into the inspiration, right? And I'm seeking to find and encounter the Jesus that the scripture points to. So reading it with the inspiration, tapping into the inspiration, and finding Christ would be the ways that I would, to put a fine point on it, what I'm doing when I'm handling the scripture. That's in essence what I'm doing. And it's possible to read the scripture. It's possible to study the scripture and read it without the inspiration. The inspiration's there, but not to tap into it. It's possible to fail to tap into the inspiration. It's possible to fail to find Jesus in it. The Pharisees are the perfect example. The scribes and Pharisees, the experts in the law, they knew it backward and forward, and yet he was there in the flesh, just a few feet away from them, and they didn't even recognize him. And it was the shepherds who were out there at his birth. And these guys were, they missed it by a country mile. They weren't there when he was born, when he came into yeah. the world. They missed him. They read the scripture without the inspiration. And you know, here's the thing. They were zealous people for God. Yeah. By every measure, they loved God. By every measure, they obeyed God. But of course, Jesus pull back the curtain and reveal that their hearts were were dark but they didn't know that yeah that's true they were the custodians of the treasure map but couldn't recognize the treasure Mm -hmm. and um as you were talking that passage came into my mind 
where Jesus says, you search the scriptures because mm -hmm. you think in them you find life, but they are those which testify of That's me. Right. And it is. That is not a denunciation of scripture, which I'm finding these days, I'm running into more and more people quoting that passage as if it's somehow Jesus dismi being dismissive mm -hmm. of scripture. He's being dismissive of an approach mm -hmm. and an unhealthy way of handling the scripture in that those men had the scripture as an end unto itself or as what we're talking about here and all of these things we're talking about is that the scriptures are a springboard and a means to an encounter mm -hmm. with a living breathing resurrected person you know it, the scriptures are god breathed but i also contain something within my own being that is god breathed mm -hmm. and that is an indwelling resurrected Lord and where the symphony happens is when I can take that which is in me mm. and that which is God breathed in the scripture and those two God breathed entities have a connection with each other so I'm mm. doing that through the scripture well then that's when you have those moments with scripture where the lights turn on and there's life and there's beauty and there's all these things that happen because you're interacting I think in one of the higher ways to use the scripture. God's people, Christian people, Jesus followers under the new covenant are not immune to being pharisaical in the way they approach the Bible and in the way they approach other people with whom they disagree over the Bible. Right. And that is one of the most toxic things I think on the planet is a Christian who is zealous for God, but then who uses the Bible itself to condemn others over interpretations that most of the time have nothing to do with anything significant. One of my friends, he was on this podcast, but he talked about his need for getting a pharisectomy. And I think that's true for many, <laughs> many Christians, the need to get a pharisectomy. And none of us are immune from pharisaical blood. So, and by the way, if you do get a pharisectomy, they do have a tendency to grow back. <laughs> so that might require repeat procedures. <laughs> repeat procedures. Very good. Well, I think Nikki V and I are going to sign off here, and we have many, many more questions. So tune in for the next episode, and we'll tackle some more questions. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it.